This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. Hello and welcome to Working Like Dogs on Pet Life Radio. Thank you for joining us today. We're your hosts. My name is Marcy Davis, and my co-host is my trusty service dog, Whistle. And we're thrilled to be with you today to talk about our favorite subject, working dogs and working animals. And today we're going to be talking about courthouse dogs. Now, these amazing dogs work in our courts throughout the country to support victims, witnesses, and other individuals in the criminal justice system. And we have two special guests with us, Linda Milanese, who's the Executive Director of Assistance Dogs of the West, and Carrie Lee Cloutier from the CASA, which is the Court Appointed Special Advocates Program in Roswell, New Mexico. And these two ladies are going to talk with us about how they work with courthouse dogs and the work that these incredible dogs are performing in the court system. So come right back after these quick messages as we welcome them to the show. Sit. Stay. We'll be right back after a short pause. Well, four to be exact. Molly, here's your dinner. Zeus, that's not your food. Don't let that happen to your precious cat. Elevate your cat's eating experience with the Cat Tree Tray. The Cat Tree Tray keeps your cat's food off the floor and conveniently located on the cat tree. It's the perfect way to eat. It's a beautiful wrought iron tray that easily attaches to your cat tree and keeps dogs and other critters out of your cat's dish. A must for multi-pet households. There's a 6-inch tray for large bowls and a 4-inch tray for smaller bowls. Purchase your Cat Tree Tray today. Go right now to CatTreeTray.com. That's CatTreeTray.com. C-A-T-T-R-E-E-T-R-A-Y.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to Working Like Dogs on Pet Life Radio. It's my pleasure to welcome Linda and Carrie Lee to the show. Hello, ladies, and welcome. Hello. Hey, we're so glad you could be with us today. We have so much to talk about, about the incredible work that you're doing with courthouse dogs. So, Linda, let's start with you. I mean, you are the Director of Assistance Dogs of the West, which we want you to tell our our listeners about that. And and we should say welcome back to Working Like Dogs because you've been on with us before. So, just tell us real quickly about Assistance Dogs of the West and what your mission is and how you guys got involved training courthouse dogs. Well, Assistance Dogs of the West raises and trains service dogs in many, many different areas. Almost every imaginable working job that you can imagine a dog to do except for hearing and for sight. And the reason why that is is because those working dogs are trained in an entirely different way. So we train for people with all kinds of mobility issues, for medical alert dogs, diabetic and seizure response dogs, 
We train facility dogs, which are courthouse dogs, are facility dogs. They're working dogs that are paired with people who are able-bodied and are professionals working in many different areas, such as occupational therapists, psychologists, psychiatrists. We have a library dog that works at a college that helps students as they're going through school. And, of course, our wonderful courthouse dogs. And then we also have a program called the Warrior Canine Connection. And these are dogs that are working with veterans as part of their non-pharmaceutical therapy for PTSD and traumatic brain injury. These veterans learn how to train the service dogs, and part of that training goes to their therapeutic recovery from combat injuries. That is awesome. Well, I know people just don't realize how many jobs dogs have these days and how much their <laughs> their employment opportunities are increasing all the time with all the things that, that we're learning that dogs can do for us. But tell us, how did you guys get involved, Linda, with the courthouse dogs? How did that come to be? Well, the courthouse dog program began with the Courthouse Dog Foundation, which is our national partner. They are the professionals who come in and teach the legal professionals how to use dogs in the judicial system. One of the partners there is a veterinarian, and the other partner is retired prosecuting attorney. And the prosecuting attorney has a son who has cerebral palsy and has a service dog, and she started bringing the dog to work while her son was at physical therapy. And she noticed that the presence of the dog significantly affected the ability of the people who were being interviewed significantly influenced their ability to testify. And so that is where the idea, the genesis of courthouse dogs began. They started to develop the program in Seattle and along the West Coast and then met up with us and we've been working with them for about eight years now. And we train the dogs and we teach the handlers. Our partners at Courthouse Dog Foundation come in and they teach all the legal professionals about what it means to use a dog in their particular work environment, which is a rather complex learning situation because, of course, one of the most important things is that we want to be sure that the dogs in no way influence a possible trial situation where a defense attorney could get the the case thrown out of court because of some improper behavior by the handler or the dog. So together we work, and it's been a very, very successful program. I would say that it is absolutely influencing in an extremely positive way how we go about helping victims and witnesses crime. Wow, that's awesome. Well, Carrie Lee, tell us, how did you get involved? Because you work with CASA, right? Yes. Gosh, it was almost five years ago. I went to a conference where the Courthouse Dogs Foundation folks and Linda and Jill Felice, the founder of Assistance Dogs of the West, were there presenting, and I had an aha moment, signed on immediately, and uh, within the year, we received our first courthouse dog, Emma, who is a beautiful golden retriever. Honestly, it's one of the best things we've ever done. What process did you go through, Carrie Lee, to get your dog? Well, it is actually not easy. This is not 
work for sissies. I will say that. <laughs> um, you go through an application process. Assistance Dogs of the West is very careful about who they place their dogs with and the kind of uh, people that can be courthouse dog handlers. So you go through the application process. Part of that is then they go through a matching process with the dogs that is really just kind of fascinating. You don't just go and shop and get a dog and go home. You are carefully matched. Your family is matched. Your your office space is matched with the right dog. And then once the handlers have been okayed, they go through a, an intense two-week initial training process and then ongoing training for the life of the dog just to make sure that they are acting in the most professional of manners in the courthouse. Wow, that does sound intense. And how long did it take you from when you decided that you wanted to do this until you actually had a dog working? I want to say about 10 months. I think that's right. That's Um, pretty fast. Well, it is fast, but we like to get things done. (laughs) And also, we were so enthusiastic and so excited. And I think it was just meant to be. We really say that there's a lot of providence at work because we have now made fast friends and our program has grown. We have who's an Australian Labradoodle with a mohawk. Oh. Oh. And the kids just love him. <laughs> so the dogs work in a variety of different ways. They work in the courthouse working with crime victims. They also work with victims of abuse in the drug court. So they're used in a lot of different ways in the courthouse. And then they're used in the community also. They're used in our program and visitation center, reducing trauma every day. And we also have used the dogs in crisis situations in the community. And how many people are trained as handlers with you, Carrie Lee? Is it just you or do you have other volunteers that you've trained? No, we have two staff members who are their primary handlers and the dogs live with them. They're their extra children. Uh And then we have four backup handlers trained. So they can get, our primary handlers have enough support. And if something comes up, somebody else can work with the dog. Oh, that's excellent. I would like to just add here that Carrie Lee and her CASA group are exemplary in the way that they have gone about not only acquiring their dogs, but understanding how the dogs integrate into their entire agency. And Carrie Lee has been very proactive educating her staff. These, as you well know, Marcy, a working dog is not a pet. They're beloved. And they're well, well taken care of, and they have plenty of time to just be a dog. But when they're in their vest and when they're at their office, they are a working dog. They're part of a working team. And Terry Lee and her associates are really exemplary in the way that they go about integrating the courthouse dogs into their agency. Well, I'm so glad that you said that, Linda, because as much as we've said it on this show, it's still hard for a lot of people to get their head around that, that it's not just a pet. It's very, very different and very sophisticated training and commitment and effort that goes into these working dogs. And and it is really wonderful when you have somebody like Carrie Lee who gets it and can take leadership and, and really make that happen. But it's definitely a commitment that is not taken lightly. So, Linda, tell us, so how do you guys work with agencies and how many courthouse dogs have you placed so far? Um, I'm going to have to count them. Um, (laughs) We won't hold you to it, but just an idea. It it, it keeps growing. I would say between 10 and 12, we have 
many dogs in New Mexico. We also have two dogs in Tucson, Arizona, one at the Children's Advocacy Center there, and also a second one in the district attorney's office. The Children's Advocacy Center comes under the umbrella of the district attorney's office. They'll soon be placing an, uh, another dog or two in California. In New Mexico, we have several, and particularly a very unusual and very dynamic and exciting experience is happening where Carrie Lee is. Her district attorney, and that's the 5th Judicial District, which is three very large counties, her district attorney stepped forward and decided to really jump into the courthouse dog program with both feet. So she herself is a primary handler. She also has three other dogs that are in the 5th Judicial. One dog is identified and will actually be going down there in October. And so along with Carrie Lee's agency, which works hand-in-hand with the district attorney's office, Carrie Lee, we now have six dogs down there. Well, we have five and Mackenzie's coming. I think that's about right. I think that's (laughs) right. And so Carrie Lee mentioned a little bit earlier that these dogs and our teams have worked in crisis situations, and specifically she was referring to the Brando Middle School shooting where Jill and I were on our way to the district attorney's office. We were moments away when we talked to Carrie Lee, and she told us what happened, and so we were deployed as part of a crisis trauma team, helped the students, the teachers and Carrie Lee's dogs went on to work several days with the victims, the families, the students. And so part of our idea in the state of New Mexico is to really galvanize this idea of dogs being able to work not only in the judicial system and in the settings, but in many other crisis and and trauma areas where there are victims and witnesses of crime. Oh, that's wonderful. It's a very innovative, completely unexplored area, and it's something that we are all working together to um, exemplify absolutely the best practices in the industry. Wow, that is wonderful. Well, I am so glad to hear that. I mean, I guess it's when you were talking about that and describing that, I was thinking to myself, you know, it's like having another expert in your community that you can call on as a resource when you have a crisis. It's the same thing with Carrie Lee and and her folks' expertise, but also these canine experts and these canine professionals that you have, they can contribute so many things to a community. And I see why the program is growing and why now you have so many more dogs than when you started out because it it just seems like there's just endless contributions that these dogs and these staff members are contributing. Oh, that's wonderful. Well, we are going to take just a quick break and hear some important messages from our sponsors. And then we're going to come back and continue talking with Linda and Carrie Lee about courthouse dogs. So come right back. We'll be right back, right after these messages. Stay tuned. Hi. 
Hi, this is Tim Link, animal communicator and pet expert and host of Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. Have you ever wanted to know what your pet is really thinking? Do you want to find out if they truly understand what you're trying to tell them? Ever wish you could build a better understanding and closer relationship with your pet? Well, now you can. Learning to communicate with animals is a four-part on-demand workshop. In the workshop, you'll learn the essential techniques that are necessary to communicate with animals, including what is animal communication, breathing correctly to achieve the perfect state to communicate with your animals at a deeper level, using guided meditation exercises and method to communicate with animals, and how to send and receive information from your animals. So if you're wanting to learn how to communicate and connect with your animals at a deeper level, visit PetLifeRadio.com forward slash workshop and purchase and download Learning to Communicate with Animals. You'll be glad you did. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to Working Like Dogs on Pet Life Radio. We're visiting today with Linda Melanese from Assistance Dogs of the West and Carrie Lee Cloutier from CASA, the Court Appointed Special Advocate Program. And they've been sharing with us the incredible work that courthouse dogs are, are doing and their role in that, which is just phenomenal. And before the break, Linda was sharing with us some information about all the different ways that these dogs are working in the community, not only in the courts, but but working with a crisis that happened in that community that was very difficult on that, that whole city and the whole area there. And, and I did want to ask you guys, because that brings up the, there are so many experiences that I'm sure you've had. And I want to ask each of you, and we'll start with you, Carrie Lee, about what is one of your most memorable experiences that you've had so far in working with with the courthouse dog program? You know, there's a long list of those experiences. And I know Linda and I will probably both come to a, eventually working with the school shooting because it was a profound experience for all of us. But I will say I'd love to share a story of the very first time that Emma, our golden retriever, was actually in our office as a working dog. The very first, within the very first 10 minutes, we had a situation in our visitation center where a child had to be removed from his drug-addicted mother and taken into a foster home, and the child was hysterical. This, we'd had to do this with this child before, and it would take up to an hour to remove him from the mother because he was so hysterical, screaming, just grieving so deeply. Emma walked into the room. We handed Emma's leash to the little boy and said, would you like to walk Emma down to the car? His tears went off. He stopped screaming. He looked at Emma. He took the leash. He said, okay. And he walked Emma down to the car. And we just stood there dumbstruck because we saw how within the first few minutes of her being part of our team, she had eliminated extreme trauma in this poor child. And the stories continued every day after that. Wow. Yeah. It is just It is just mind-blowing about how these animals can can take us to such a different place when things look so so bleak and when things are so bad and and I can only imagine how many stories like that that you have that you experience probably every day and Linda what about you what sticks out in your mind I want to preface by acknowledging Carrie Lee and all the people who are working with victims and witnesses of crimes because 
Jill and I both feel that they are angels on this earth. Their work is incredible. They make something possible that without them, I, I just don't know how these youngsters and families would survive. So I, I just wanted to acknowledge that. My personal experience, because remember, I don't actually handle a courthouse dog, though I've helped train many of them. But during the Verando Middle School shooting, because Jill and I were literally minutes away and were deployed with the rest of the, the crisis response team, I was working with some of the eyewitness children during that time. And there was one young teen who was clearly shattered. And her grandfather was coming to pick her up, and she had to go back to the school where the police van was taking the forensic interview. And so it was very, very difficult for her to even stand up to walk out of the building. And so I had a great dog with me. Her name is Honey Pie. Kind of a very similar thing to the story that Carrie Lee just said about Emma. I asked her, first I let her sit on the floor with Honey Pie and just kind of snuggle up with her. And then I asked her if she would like to walk Honey Pie out and meet her grandfather and then walk all the way out to the car and get into the car, which is what we did. That doesn't sound like a very big deal, but when you've experienced a trauma and suddenly there is some bridge back to empowerment where you can actually stand in your own self again, even if it's for a moment, that trauma is relieved immediately. And somehow you get the courage and you get the strength to be able to go to the next chapter of what needs to unfold at that moment. That was a life-changing experience for me. Yeah. Oh, well, that's so beautiful. So beautiful. Well, thank you both for sharing that. I, I really appreciate that because I can only imagine how sensitive and, and how how those things are, are just so heavy on your heart, those experiences and how you carry that with you. But thank goodness for these magnificent dogs that can make such a difference and that for the amazing humans that are their partners. So that's that's why we're visiting about this, right? I think an important thing that hasn't been addressed is the way assistance dogs of the West trains their dogs. They really are an exceptional, and we just feel blessed that they're here in New Mexico and they are who we were matched with when we were so naive about the whole thing. They use a type of training that is extremely non-aggressive, that's non-violent, and Linda can describe it better. But what we have found is, is now that we have dogs that are trained in this manner and now handled in this very non-violent manner, that we bring that spirit of nonviolent control, of cooperation, of trust, of building relationship into our office and into our programs. So we do a lot of work, say, with juvenile delinquents, and we take the dogs in and our handlers teach the kids how to handle these dogs. So we are able to both model and teach the kids nonviolent control, how to build a relationship. And these children have been raised in only violent control. So it is really a life-changing model for everything we do that the dogs are handled in this matter. And Linda is better able to describe the training process. Thank you so much. I appreciate that, Carrie Lee. And yeah, Linda, tell us, and what's the ongoing training and relationship? Because you said that you and Jill were on your way down there to Roswell when, when that crisis occurred. So do you do ongoing training and what does that look like? 
So the answer to that question very quickly is yes. We are a relationship-based agency. And so what that means is that every aspect of our agency is, is based on that relationship communication. And that's among our staff, with our clients, and certainly with our dogs. And so when we talk about nonviolent training, what we're talking about is we use a lot of clicker training, we use positive reinforcement, we eschew any kind of choke chains, prong collars, shock collars, all the aversive methodologies that are used, that are still, continue to be used in training dogs. We kind of don't understand why, but we firmly believe that we are modeling something very important, and our agency has a huge educational program where we teach elementary school children, middle school, high school, children with disabilities, children in the judicial system. We teach them how to train the service dogs. Um, Some is in after school, summer camps. And we have many programs that are actual in-school programs where the children learn how to train the dogs. And so we are committed to teaching these youngsters. Some are normal learning youngsters in mainstream families. Many of them are not. And so whether they're normal learning or children with disabilities or children from impoverished environments or, or violent backgrounds, we're committed to showing and teaching and allowing them to embrace a way of going through life that's extremely successful because the dogs love to learn. They love the positive reinforcement training. And so the children are able to grab hold of this successful methodology and to learn that there is a way to cooperate not only with their animal because their animal is giving them immediate feedback, but also with their peers because we do a lot of peer-to-peer mentoring. And so the kids... Each kids help other kids. Our dogs give them immediate feedback, and our dogs are purpose-bred dogs, so they have the kinds of temperaments, soft temperaments that we look for, both for mobility dogs and courthouse dogs and all the other work that we do. And so they're not used to hollering, pulling, yanking, any kind of activity like that, the dogs are like, are you crazy? <laughs> we don't do that. <laughs> and so that's one of the wonderful, wonderful teaching methodologies that the dogs actually provide to the students. And that's so we, we are firmly committed to that. That's fantastic. And it seems so simple. It seems like common sense, of course, nonviolent training, nonviolent behavior. I mean, it's it's really walking the walk, right? That's awesome. Well, I do want to ask Carrie Lee, did you ever encounter any barriers with the courthouse dogs, like with judges or defense attorneys? Or did you have any any barriers that you guys had to overcome? Absolutely, and that's a great question. Yes, I think at first this was perceived as something, you know, just bringing before judges and attorneys understood. I think this was perceived as something too warm and fuzzy for the courthouse. So it took some time to develop a relationship in the trust. However, our DA signed on right away. She got it. She understood what it did and how it could be used in a very professional manner in the courtroom. Now all four of our judges are extremely supportive and love the dogs and love having the dogs in the courtroom. Defense attorneys are even warming up to it as they learn that the dogs are actually there for them also. 
<laughs> you know, yes. well, that's it's great. Not yeah. always the child who's the most traumatized person that's in the courtroom. Right. And right. so I think our community has really embraced the whole concept and our legal system has embraced it so much that I think our community doesn't see it as Casa's dogs. Our community sees the, these courthouse dogs as the community's dogs. We're just blessed by the way we've been lifted up and supported. Oh, well, and I just... want to just add something here because we're touching on a very important subject, which is the courthouse dogs, part of their role is to provide staff care. Everyone who is working in this environment, it's an extremely stressful environment. So the dogs are there providing comfort, ease, a break for the people who are working in this field. And that's yeah. an important aspect of it. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, so, um, Linda, how can people get more information if they want to volunteer or if they want to apply for a courthouse dog? What do they need to do? Probably the easiest way to begin is to just go to our website, which is assistancedogsofthewest.org, and kind of surf around. We are getting ready to launch a new website, I'm happy to say, but for the moment, that's probably the best way to start the process. And then if they're interested in actually pursuing it, they can call our office and we'll send a facility application, facility dog application to them, or you can download it off the website. And that's how you begin. You begin by applying. And then if you continue to want to move along with the process, we set up an appointment for you to meet with a trainer and to have a little evaluation about what this particular situation for the courthouse dog is. And probably on your first interview, you might meet one or two very, very talented <laughs> I would suggest also that folks go to the courthousedogsfoundation.org and that gives a lot of the essential legal information. There are a lot of legal support documents in there and videos that can help to educate somebody who's interested or if, say, a program needs to convince their judge. They're welcome to call us, come visit us. Any, We love guests in New Mexico, but they can go to that courthousedogsfoundation.org website and get video testimony from other judges about its effectiveness. And that can be okay, very excellent. helpful to a program. Great, great. Thank you. I was going to ask you what that site was. And you said it was courthousedogsfoundation.org? Yes. Okay, awesome. Well, we will list that. Oh, you um, know what? Is it at courthousedogs.org? I will double check it and make sure that we have that listed correctly for our listeners. Because courthousedogs.org. I, I just checked it. Perfect. Okay. There you go. Great. That's even shorter and easier. Great. <laughs> <laughs> and what about you, Carrie Lee? Do you guys have a website or how could our listeners reach you if they want more to talk with you about your experience more? Absolutely. It's casakids.org. Okay, great. Short and easy. Also, Facebook is a fabulous way for both Assistance Dogs of the West and the Chavez County CASA program to catch up with what the dogs are doing every day. Actually, Emma has her own Facebook page. So, Emma the CASA Dog. Of course she does. She's a very good poster. (laughs) Good. That's a great way to keep up. I want to say one thing real quickly about Emma. Emma, this year, received... (laughs) The John Henry Award, which is the highest award for a service dog in the state of New Mexico. 
Oh, that's wonderful. Well, and we hope that you'll share a picture of Emma with us so that we can have that on our website because I know our listeners are going to to want to see Emma and Moose if you have a picture of Moose as well. We'll do it. I'll send it right on. Okay, awesome. Well, thank you guys so much for being with us and for talking with us about the work you're doing. But really, we want to thank you for your commitment to assistance dogs and facility dogs and, and what you're doing to change so many people's lives. So thank you. Thank you for that. And we hope you'll come back and keep us posted about Emma and Moose and all the other new dogs that are coming. We will. We will. And thank you, Marcy. It's always so great to talk to you. Great. Well, thank you. And thank you, our listeners, for being with us. We appreciate you and we love to hear from you. So keep those emails coming. And you can email me at Marcy, M-A-R-C-I-E, at PetLifeRadio.com. And you can also follow Working Like Dogs on Facebook and Twitter. And you can even read our blog at WorkingLikeDogs.com. So thanks so much for being with us. And we look forward to being with you again soon. Take good care. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.